This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Joining us uh, from the other side of the ditch to talk, of course, the big games coming up between the All Whites and the Socceroos. Teo Palazzieri, he is a commentator for 10 Football. G'day, Teo, how are you? Great to be chatting, Ricardo, and yes, lots to look forward to for our two countries. Mate, and I, I just saw this story. I don't know if you've caught up with this yet, but uh, one of the young guys in your squad that has been named by uh, Graham Arnold, um, let me try and get his name here, he plays out of the Central Coast Mariners, uh, Garang Kuhl, is that how you say it? Yeah, Garen Quoll. Garen has just come out, according to BN Sports, he signed a four-year deal with Newcastle United in the Premier League. Pretty phenomenal stuff, isn't it? And I think as an investment in him, he'll have to be loaned out. He probably won't get a work permit to be able to play Premier League under-23s or in their youth system. So the next move is intriguing, but I think as far as Newcastle putting their global footprints on this part of the world, having already signed Chris Wood and now Garen Quall, and also for Quall's own prospects, given that He's only played, would you believe, 189 total minutes of A-League football. He might be about to win his first cap. And now he's going to get a, a move to a club that most seem to believe are headed for the places that Chelsea and Manchester City have been in the last 10 to 15 years, right to the top of world football. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting one. They, they seem to be, I know this isn't what we got you on for, but while we're on the subject, mate, they seem to be going about it in a slightly different way to those other two clubs that you mentioned. Yeah, very patient and sort of trying to sign players that will incrementally improve their team. I think they're mindful that if they are too uh, audacious, financial fair play might actually start getting policed again. But if it means that they also follow the Chelsea model of just trying to sign as many great young players as possible and farm them out on loan, as we know, Chelsea did have Kevin De Bruyne and Mohamed Salah on their books as players who were perpetually out on loan and not getting much of a look. So... Maybe Garen Quoll, that could be the business model that they're looking for here. Yeah, maybe, maybe. What have you made of the squad that was announced today? Uh, any any big omissions for you? Oh, look, I think today was a fan favourites squad. All the players that had really been talked about so much by our media and fans, social media, were picked in this squad. Jason Cummings of the Central Coast Mariners, Garen Quoll, Mitch Langerak coming out of international retirement to rejoin with the Socceroos. Cam Devlin, who's been so good with Hearts in the Scottish Premiership. It's almost like Graham Arnold has played the hits here. And he did openly disclose that he's going to have two completely different 11s for the two friendlies. So that's why he needed a squad of 30. The big omission is Tom Rogic. But Arnold was pretty upfront that now that Rogic has signed for West Brom in the English Championship and is expected to be back playing regular first-team football soon. The door isn't close to him for the World Cup, and the mysterious reason that he withdrew from Socceroos duty and took such a long time to find a new team after leaving Celtic, it's never come to light. 
It's not like it's an open secret over here. No one knows. There seems to be no level of insider that actually understands what the cause of that was. But at least the door isn't totally closed on him appearing in the World Cup. And that would, of course, be great for the Socceroos, given his level of talent. Well, that, I mean, and that is the thing. I mean, uh, you know, I look at this Australian team versus the Australian teams we've had in the past. You know, and from a New Zealand fan point of view, we're looking at it going, well, you know, it'd be great to play you guys every couple of years because it feels like we're about even. Uh, at the moment, you you don't have your your Kules and your Vadukas and, and and players or even your Cahills, your players like that anymore. Uh, in fact, you know it's probably more household names and in inverted commas, if you like, in the All White squad than there is in the Socceroos squad. Uh, yeah, I think that's entirely fair. I think the top end of New Zealand's team is perhaps pointier than Australia's in terms of the clubs that the players are playing for and also the reputations that they're carrying. There's, there's a lot of Socceroos players who only recently moved to Europe. In the, in the case of Aziz Bayic at uh, his club, uh, Dundee United, United it's, been, yeah. it's been a total disaster, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think a lot of players recognise that the A-League season starting as late as it is wasn't going to give them much of a runway. Keanu Bacchus went to St Mirren. Ryan Strain left Israel to go to St Mirren as well. You've got Joel King playing in Norway. And I don't know, it, you're right. We don't have the name power that we used to, but... I guess that's the point of, of being a unit. The, the whole is meant to be greater than the sum of its parts. And I think there is something exciting about going to a World Cup as a shop window team where a player can make their reputation and perhaps make an unprecedented jump. I guess it's a bit different with it being in the middle of a season rather than in the off-season. Uh, there is a January transfer window, but you just never know who might put their name up in lights and find themselves perhaps thrust back into the pointier end of European football as a result of Australia overperforming at this tournament. Now, you talked about Aziz Bayich and Dundee United being a bit of a disaster, uh, and you also talked about Mitchell Angerak coming out of international retirement. Which one of those two things uh, do you think has caused Mark Birgitti not to make this team? Or is it a combination? Well, Mark Birgitti uh, was always perhaps the fourth choice, and so... Andrew Redmayne's performance in the penalty shootout to get us past Peru meant that he was going to be a permanent fixture. Matty Ryan's move to FC Copenhagen also means that he'll be playing regularly and playing in the Champions League, which is an excellent preparation for him. Langerak, Graham Arnold said in his press conference today that he retired from international football because he didn't want to leave his family in Japan alone during covid and didn't want to have to go through the ordeal of getting in and out of Japan and and the various protocols that would be involved with travelling in order to participate in Socceroos matches and World Cup qualifying. So the fact he's back is obviously excellent for Australia, given his J-League form has been top-notch, and Mark Birrigitti having lost his starting spot in Scotland. Yeah, it's a tough thing, because he was the outstanding A-League goalkeeper statistically and just with the eye test as far as his performances by so far. And you can't help but think back to Michael Theo and his horror debut with Norwich where he conceded seven goals. And you just hope that with a change of manager at uh, Dundee, maybe Birrigitte can get his spot back and salvage what so far has been a misfire. Yeah, it has been a bit of a misfire. Well, I mean, there there are some names there that we recognise. You mentioned Tommy Rogic, who, of course, was at Celtic for so long. And uh, great to see that he's finally picked up a club. Hopefully, from an Australian point of view, he is back in Graham Arnold's reckoning come the World Cup, and there's not more to that story. Uh, but Aaron Moy is another name that we do know. We have seen play Premier League football, uh, but he's a guy who's probably at the other end of his career at the moment. Uh, how important is he to your chances at the World Cup? Here's the thing. He'll, he'll play as many minutes, if not every minute of every game, I suspect. Is he 
that important? It really depends who you talk to. I think ex-players consider Aaron Moy to be the most important member of the team. Whereas if you speak to print journalists, some see him as a bit of a ball stopper and, and kind of at times a, a handbrake on our ability to, to move the ball. And there, there is an agitation for Dennis Genro. I know he's only got three caps, but he's now playing in a top five league with Toulouse. Aaron Moy was a bit of a, a bit of a miracle was worked on him off the back of six months of no football in China to get him up to play the minutes he did in those World Cup qualifiers against the UAE and Peru. And I'm sure he'll probably, if he can, play every minute of every game that Australia plays at the World Cup. But uh, beyond the World Cup, I do think it has to become genre's midfield in combination with Aydin Drustic. So maybe this will be a last hurrah for Moy. I don't want to, to bury him too early because he has been a sensational servant of the Socceroos, but maybe uh, this might be a swan song in green and gold. Now, it won't surprise you to find out that when the Socceroos team was announced here, the headline was former Phoenix midfielder to face the All-Whites. Um, Cameron Devlin was loved here by the Phoenix fans, absolutely loved. Uh, they were gutted to see him leave uh, and then quite happy to see him uh, not play a second for Newcastle and go up to Hearts, to be fair. Um there's been a few people down here surprised not to have seen him included in squads prior to this. Why do you think that is? It's a great question. I suspect that Graham Arnold uh, had his fascination with Johnny Stensnith. He brought in Connor Metcalf for the qualifier against Japan, which didn't work out. You know, there were some darts thrown at the dartboard there trying to find an answer in midfield, and, and Devlin was maybe just too far down the queue. His form for Hearts in the Scottish Premiership has been impossible to ignore. And the fact that he's now essentially the home of Australians in UEFA competitions means that he's under you know, the nose of Graham Arnold and Rene Muhlenstein, the assistant coach, who's the European-based scout that's uh, consulting and, and talking to these Socceroos. He became impossible to ignore. Yes, it may have taken a bit too long, but it's a, the evidence is there, both at the Phoenix and at Hearts, that he's a glue guy and, and he's beloved by fans and teammates and I suspect he will become someone like that for the Socceroos as well. It's just a very slow process to see it finally happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, the makeup of that team. And you mentioned a name there who we've seen run around in a white shirt. In fact, he played for uh, New Zealand at the last Olympics in Gianni Stensness before changing his mind and deciding that he really wanted to play for Australia. That might be something that backfires on him. He's still got a long way to go in his career. What have you made of Gianni Stensness? And do you expect him to be a player that will be in and around Australian squads going forward? It's hard to say because I know that some uh, outlets have, have begun the rumour mill that Graham Arnold's going to get a contract extension off the back of the World Cup, potentially regardless of where, how Australia performs or how, what Australia's results actually are, that just qualifying a load might be enough to get Arnold renewed. If that's the case, I think Johnny Stensness should feel pretty good about his prospects. But if we go down a new path, whether it's an Australian manager like Kevin Musket, who would have seen plenty of Johnny coaching against him in the A-League, or whether we opt for a, a foreign manager completely uninitiated to Australia that would no doubt look through the squads of who we've called up before we bring him in. You know, it's good that there's a level of competition. It's not at the highest level. It's not like you know, we're looking at a team here that is full of world beaters all competing for each other's spot. But no, I don't, I don't think it, the door is totally closed on him yet. And uh, I think after New Zealand picked up Ali Green and India Page Riley, uh, a couple of Australians, might I say, uh, for your... Uh, Ferns team uh, to play for the women's side 
uh, maybe it's only fair that we get Stensness in reserve, in return. Yeah, well, I think you took Stensness first, to be fair. So maybe maybe we're getting them in return. I mean, Teo, let's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true, that's true. Uh, well, you mentioned Graham Arnold there too, and, and that's interesting that you say that, a contract extension, because everything that I was hearing ahead of, you know, well, you know after your uh, qualifying in the group stages, and it didn't really go swimmingly well, and nobody was impressed that you finished third in the group and had to play two qualifying games to get to the World Cup that, you know, um, Australian football were like, well, look, there's no point in replacing him now, so we'll let him see it out and then we'll we'll get a new coach after the World Cup or after he fails to qualify for the World Cup. I mean, I, I thought he was a dead man walking. And rightly so. I think there was unashamedly some kite flying done with uh, a, a few leaks out of the HQ just to sort of market test the idea of moving on from Graham Arnold. And I'm not exactly sure who the FA might have considered to line up as a replacement to take us to these two playoffs. But it's probably a bit of a fraught financial decision. And perhaps they decided to dance with who they took to the to the ball. And ultimately, Graham Arnold got the Socceroos to the World Cup. And it's flipped the script on how his entire tenure will be viewed. I, I said openly after Australia qualified that it should be seen as a cautionary tale rather than a blueprint. And I do worry that that advice may have fallen on deaf ears, especially if, if Arnold is extended and is allowed to continue on. I mean, his motivation to continue in the job, he, he may wish to get back into club football. He may wish to have a break. So let's not rule out that it's a certainty that if Australia was to offer him a contract, he'd accept it. But look, I, I do think it would be best for the discourse of Australian football if the Arnie tenure comes to an end at this World Cup, 12 months to prepare for an Asian Cup, and then the next World Cup cycle begins. Yeah, uh, Robbie Slater will be in tears if that happens, mate. But uh, anyway, that's a, it's a conversation for another time. Uh, given that Australia is you know, hosting a Bledisloe Cup uh, tomorrow night and you've got AFL finals and NRL finals, um, how in the news is this, uh, this, particular, well, this these two games coming up? It's a great question because uh, I'm, I'm based in Sydney now. I used to be based in, in Melbourne back in the day when we used to chat on the great Trans-Tasman sports show right here on this very network, SEN. But uh, I think that uh, NRL finals are, are creating a, a level of fervour due to sort of the heightened tension and, and drama of, of their competition. The AFL has been of an excellent standard this season. As you say, Bledisloe Cup. The Socceroos get cut through because we're in the World Cup, though. The halo effect of that just adds a level of context, which means that Suncorp should be 40,000 plus, uh, maybe even close to capacity. Farewell games always perform well, regardless of who they're against. And I do think that a good performance in a Socceroos win within 90 minutes is going to be news just because they've become such a, a rarity uh, over the course of our World Cup qualifying campaign that it would be so welcome to, to just see them play well and win. And if someone like a Garang Qual scores a goal, factor in the transfer rumours around him, that, that could see the team really take off. So, I, I, as I said, this is a squad that's been picked to try and, I think, get the fans back on side and get them energised for the World Cup. And I do think it will achieve its objectives. Has there been much talk about this New Zealand side over there? I mean, you know, we've got guys like Liberato Kakache now playing at Empoli uh, in Serie A regularly. Matt Garbutt is in the Torino squad as well. Uh, and, of course, you know, we know about Chris Wood at Newcastle United. How much... Uh, is that getting attention that of the level of the players that New Zealand now has and how close uh, this matchup might be? Oh, no, we're, we're navel-gazing. We're very much looking at our team rather than <laughs> yours for this one. Um, look, there, there is, there's always a level of respect for New Zealand, and as we touched on earlier, 
New Zealand's uh, top-end talent is now at a point where it's somewhat comparable, if not better than Australia's. The depth players, though, and, and I see that your squad has got so many players that are sort of 10 caps or less in it. That, yeah, there is an element of, of generational change coming through. And, and it must be said that I think a lot of people in Australia felt as though New Zealand were very hard done by in your World Cup qualifier against Costa Rica. I mean, we got to watch that here uh, on uh, FIFA TV for free. And really, sawn off is, is what I would say. Wellington Phoenix, I think a lot of people expect them to be good this season, perhaps a little bit surprising how, the, how they surrendered to MacArthur in the Australia Cup. MacArthur, who played tonight as a result of beating the Phoenix. But, you know, we see some, some good talent in the Phoenix who are earning respect and I think are in for a, a season where they could potentially play finals. And I think there's just that level of understanding that New Zealand are now one of those teams that are capable of overperforming. They'll rise to the occasion against Australia. But I would be absolutely lying if I said that anyone other than hardcore football fans are looking at the New Zealand team, it could be anyone playing Australia in this game. It really is about what our team is preparing to do to go to the World Cup and take on France, Tunisia and then Denmark. Yeah, good stuff, Teo. Thank you very much for uh, for coming on and having a chat to us. Are you going to get to call these games at all? Uh, not these ones. Uh, I am... If you must know, I'm doing the New South Wales NPL Women's Grand Final this weekend. But you know what? I'm as enthusiastic about that game as any. So uh, hopefully uh, you you will hear from me on a Phoenix game or two come A-League men's season uh, from the games that are played over here. Fantastic, Taylor. Thanks very much again for your time, mate. Go well and good luck with your call this weekend. A pleasure. Thanks, Ricardo. Cheers, uh, Taylor Palazzieri there uh, from Channel 10, football commentator out of Australia.